everybody, it's Beth Wee, Beth Walsh-Stewart in the studio. Today I invited my friend Kim Gibson. Hello. Hello. We're going to talk about family struggles, not, you know, and how we communicate through them. Because I think a lot of the struggle is we don't know how to communicate. So we either avoid it or say the wrong thing. That's right. We just say whatever comes into our mind. Exactly. Yeah. From our own experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I think that all families are facing a lot of problems today, especially after this pandemic and the uh, isolation. I agree. The kids not going to school, the kids going to school, the kids wearing masks. Some kids wear masks, some don't. So there's that. There's isol There's separation. You can't be understood with the mask on. Um, if your family are not promoting masks, then you're singled out versus the kids that are, you know. Exactly. Political. Every this is trickled down to our children. Yes, and it is definitely in our homes. Yes, uh, divisiveness has hit an all-time high. I believe. Oh, I agree. Yeah, wholeheartedly. So it's important, you know. The, then there's the other regular, <laughs> regular family problems like addiction, death, money troubles, um, divorce, mental illness, physical illness. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely divorce and separation, and that's growing. I, th I heard, and I don't quote me on this, guys, because I'm I don't have the the information in front of me that it's up to sixty three percent of families now no divorce. I was listening to something I don't remember the exact number, but they said it has escalated. That's, that's up about thirteen percent from the last time I did the numbers, mm -hmm. which was a few years back. But you know, stress can tax family resources too, and it it, it causes struggle. It's easier to um, just walk away when you feel intention and resentment than to communicate through it. One of the things I'm learning with communication, um, I have three daughters and then I have two stepdaughters and a stepson. And one of the things, everybody communicates differently, everybody listens differently. So I think one of the most important things that we can learn, and I like to think I've learned somewhat, is kind of put yourself in their shoes and how are they going to hear what I say? Okay. That's, you know, where that, are they right now? That is a really grown-up behavior, though. That's, that's what I said. I'm starting <laughs> to do it at 55. <laughs> that's what I'm going to say is it, for people that are have been trying to do the work on themselves, build their life, yes. create a happy life, that will come more easily than to others. So let's start at the base camp for people that are listening that haven't done any of the work yet. Let's just talk about communication. <laughs> Not even, you know, I mean, it helps if we can all see the problem. And when one of us is walking around the problem, like it's the elephant in the living room, they yes. used to say, when you walk around a problem and pretend like it's not there, you don't have to deal with it. So, so I think communication starts with just awareness of the problem. Oh, I completely agree. I was, when my children were younger, you know, I hate to say it looking back, but I was a yeller. I was, I didn't know how to communicate. Mm -hmm. So when I finally realized that I don't like who I am when I do this. So I became aware of my behaviors, but at the exact same time, I realized I didn't know what to do or what to replace them with. Right. Because really, when one of us screams at another, yes, we're just looking for power. And the power isn't even, I'm better than you or I'm more important than you. It's just, wait, I'm significant here. Please hear me. It, it, it doesn't mean I think I'm right even. It just is like, wait, I have an opinion, 
sometimes people who yell, it's the only time they think they can be heard. Well, it's also generational. I That's how I was dealt yeah. with as a child, mm -hmm. you know? Um, don't cry, I'll give you something to cry about. Those kind of more. Those yeah. kind of, so those are the tools I had, or lack of tools, mm -hmm. when I started parenting. So I have a question. I have heard of people, and I'm not gonna say it's me, but I have heard of people that have family meetings. I thought, wow, what a beautiful replacement for the family dinner. It used to be that communication happened naturally in a family over a dinner. Now we have both parents, if there are two parents, working. And if it's a single parent, probably working two jobs to make it work. So family dinners have kind of fallen to a holiday, somebody's birthday. It's like a big plan. Oh, we're having dinner together. True. Oh, how often do you do that? Oh, we do it at least once a month. You know, and that's like, wow, good for you. Well, I have to say, when I had that awareness when my children were young, um, the family dinner did become something that I, I insisted on doing. I'm not saying we did it every night, but I have to say probably two to three nights we sat down and had dinner together. There was one point in my life, probably about 25 years ago, I was going through a rough time. And I used to say I was going to write a book called My Dining Room Table because mm. I do really believe that a lot of healing in my family started around the dining room table. That's a beautiful thought. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I can remember even friends coming in and, and supporting me and my children at times. And it was always around food and dinner and discussions. And even when I couldn't communicate with my children, the people in my life were able to buffer sometimes between us. You know, that's an ancient tradition. It's the breaking of bread. True. That is how fellowship is built. Yes. Yeah. And it, it, there's an old Greek word called koinonia that my husband Donald and I have um, adopted for our kitchen. We call our kitchen the koinonia kitchen. We put some money into it to refurbish it, and we, we blessed it and gave it to God saying, let people feel your presence in the spirit of community when they come here. And that's what koinonia is, kind of the spirit of community. When I built, my husband and I built a house, we just moved into it a little over two years ago. And I can remember when we were working with the architect and he was asking what was important. And in the newer homes, dining rooms have, are, have gone to the wayside. And he was really shocked when I said, I need a big dining room. I said, yeah. I want a dining room table that fits 12 people. Yeah. So he created this space. I still have a very open house, but off to the side, there's this open dining room excuse me that's okay and it was it was very surprising to him and he now comes to my house occasionally when family is there and he's amazed how much he didn't think we would ever use that and we do and we also used i insisted on having porch swings yeah out front nice and, and this was all to in, to encourage communication yes well that's the so that's the point so if you're listening to this our first tip is going to be communication is a must and it's going to be easier if you plan it so it could be a family meal it could be taco uh, tuesday it could be taco tuesday it could be just a family meeting we're going to have a family meeting and you can make rules for these things no phones allowed at the table that's an okay rule it's only the length of the dinner and as long as it starts like that and isn't a punishment later like no, you've, you've abused the privilege of having your phone at the table. Just make it. No phones at the table. Yes. And, we, and we're going to sit like that. So now, 
when it comes to communication, you talked about something else, Kim, and I want to touch on it before we move off this. Some people yell, some people become invisible. That was my superpower as a child. Okay. <laughs> I could become invisible and you wouldn't even know I was there. You wouldn't even know I had an opinion. I was afraid because there was infighting in my family and my superpower was to become invisible. And I think with a large family like you had, there was how many siblings? Yeah, I have t I'm one of 10. One of 10. I think there's always that child that takes on that role. Yeah. Or two. Yeah. So, so you, do have, you do have the hero child. You do have the lost child. You do have the middle child syndrome. All those things that Wojtitz talked about, that the adult children of alcoholics writer, she really broke down some family dynamic problems. But So if you're looking for a book, look her up. W-O-I-T-I-T-Z. That's her last name. Look for her writings, and it might help you with this stuff. Uh, but pay attention when someone's invisible and include them. Pay attention when someone's shouting and get quiet and say the words, I hear you. I hear you. Okay, so now we got the dinner. It's Taco Tuesday. We got everybody around. Nobody's got a phone. Right. Okay. How are we going to keep focused on the topic? <laughs> I don't think necessarily when you have the family dinner, at least in my case, it just started simple. It was, they started talking about their day. Okay. And I have to say, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. Right. You know, so we didn't have that breakdown of communication from that. But just having it, and we found out, I can remember finding out that my daughter smoked a cigarette for the first time at one of these early dinners. She was in, I think, ninth grade. And, you know, that wouldn't have come up if we had not had this. It became a very safe space. Yeah. And it wasn't ever formal. Um, we have had formal ones, but they were usually, something probably happened in the family that needed to be. Then it was the top. Yes. Otherwise, let the topic come organically. I'm in agreement Yes, with organically, that. yes. Let it come organically. People will need to feel safe before they share. Exactly. Even within a family. I know you, you probably have the best family going, and I'm not saying anything, but everybody's perspective is different. What makes one person feel safe makes another pe person feel threatened. So, so don't go around the table and force people to talk. Right. Don't, don't, don't force it. It will come. They will respond. Because the love is there. That's it. That's it. The love is there. Yeah. So, so, and don't go on and on about something. So say you did have the problem, a misdeed, a misaction, somebody smoked, you know, speaking about it and then letting it go. Yes. That's a tough one. But pretend like it's it, the problem that comes up. If, if it's been spoken about, everybody knows how you feel about it. Let it be like a, a, a helium balloon. Let it go and let it float away. <laughs> yes, don't make it become an issue to focus on. Yeah, yeah, okay. So now I'm going to ask another thing. Kim, in your family, um, and, and with, does it help when you talk in the eye? I remember in the old days the therapist would say, when you do this, I feel this. You know, that was like the line of, uh, this is how you communicate, you know. Um, I remember that. I hated that. I did too. I did too. But it makes me, when I focus on what I'm going to say, when I remember that old phrase, it helps me realize that I am communicating my needs, my wants, my issues, and I'm not pointing a finger. 
I think once I point a finger, it breaks down communication. One thing I've learned with my, um, you know, all my children are older. The, you know, the youngest is 30. The oldest is, you know, 42. Um, one of the things I've learned is I've asked for permission. Mm-hmm. Yesterday. Um, That's beautiful. My one daughter, I now asked them, Am I, can I give you my opinion on this? And at times, you know, she says no. And I have to be okay with that. Yeah. Um, but I've learned to ask for permission because as an adult, they don't. This is an in- that's an interesting thing. My daughter also taught me something years ago. She was going through a really hard time with her partner, and she said to me, um, she was like complaining about it. And I started to, when it was my turn to speak, I listened. But when it was my turn <clears throat> to speak, I started to say something. She said, Mom, please don't go into solution mode. I know you're built that way but just be my mom and tell me that my partner sucks and that, that, you know, that's terrible. Just be my mom for a minute. Just let me bet. And so now with her, I say, are you looking for comfort and support or solution? And sometimes she says, I just need support. And that's all I give her. Yep. And And it's hard to sit with that when you're that type of person. Well, I'm solution based. Right. That's, that's why we're doing a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm solution based. You know, one of the times uh, a while back, this is years back, I got an email to, we send out a weekly thought. If you're interested in getting the weekly thought, go to bethwee.com. There's a contact us page. There's a weekly thought page, sign up for it. But anyway, I sent out this weekly thought and a child somehow got on his mom's computer. And he, he emailed back, and this is what it said. It said, I'm worried about my daddy's drinking. <clears throat> he, it makes him yell at us, and sometimes I get scared. Wow. And, and I did not know what to do with that. This is not my family. This is not, but, so what I did do with that is I contacted the person that was getting the weekly thought, and, and I encouraged her communicate with the child so the reason I'm bringing that up is what age does communication start just like you said you learned that yelling was the way to communicate kids are learning it so if you're not teaching it the way it will help them they're going to learn it anyway at four five six younger yeah younger yeah My, my grandson is autistic and um if I get irritable voice if I get the tone change in my voice he freezes and I'm like oh why did I do that he's he would never do anything and he's just he's just on a roll you know he rolls through life but when my tone when I'm getting irritable like I'm wiping mud off that I just washed the floor and now there's mud all over it because he decided to garden you know for a few minutes you know so funny that you said that because um i have seven grandchildren from 10 months to 15 Mm -hmm. and the christmas parade i always go down there really early we shop you know so we can kind of find our parking spot early so anyway my nine-year-old grandson and i and his mother were at a store and i got aggravated so i left with him and we were walking to nino so down ocean drive this is in Vero Beach. This friends. is in Vero Beach. Come on down. Nino's has great pizza. Beautiful. Yes. Great parade, too. But about halfway, it's probably a half a mile from point A to point B where I was going. About halfway, my grandson finally felt safe enough with me. So, Grandma, I heard your 
your tone change, your voice change. And I said, what does that mean? And he goes, Grandma Bear comes out. <laughs> oh, see, they do know. They, they do, do know. notice that. So, you know, when we display our, our emotions, the kids know it. So talk about it with them. Talk about it. Age appropriately. Yeah. And every, every opportunity to uh, love is an opportunity. Every opportunity. Teach love, not fear. It's okay that you got angry. Anger is a normal human response. It is not okay if the anger takes control and you make people around you afraid. Yes. Okay, so that's it's a really important moment for you because when you see a child afraid because of your anger, it is your opportunity to get down to eye level and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you think that I was more scary than I was loving? Because that is not what I want you to walk away from this with. Very important to go yeah, back and very important because we're all human and they need to know that, oh, grandma can be wrong or mom can be wrong. Right. So I want to tie this up and I think that maybe we should talk more about this because family communication is an ongoing and ever evolving thing. As people age, the communication changes. Oh, it's definitely changed. So let's wrap it up for today. It's time to take addiction out of the shadows and shine the encouraging light of recovery on everyone affected. Good Seed Podcast is powered by BethWE.com, a nonprofit ministry based in Vero Beach, Florida. We'll start the uncomfortable conversations that turn despair into hope and complacency into action. Connect, communicate, and thrive with us. Check us out online at BethWE.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk again soon.